Hello, people, and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. Join me on my skiff as I, Captain Steerage, a.k.a. your host, Stu, steer you through this quagmire, this swampy mess, into the Twilight Zone. You're obsessed with Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone's the thing, mate. It's the thing. It's the thing. Um, I'm joined, as always, by Chris. You've also <laughs> slipped in an in-joke that most people don't hear because it's pre-recorded. Yeah, I know. Which I like. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm by Tom. Hello. Um, how, well, obviously, when I'm hosting, I always do this weird thing and ask you both how you're both doing. So how, how are you both doing after that display? <sighs> Did you see that ludicrous you- display last night? <laughs> Yeah, Did how you are you see feeling? That Christmas playing how, last I night? want to know how you both feel right now as we go into this recording. What is your overriding emotion? Just off the, one word off the top of your head. Um, go, Chris. What's, what, what are you feeling? Amusement. Mm, and Tom? I'm just tired. Not <laughs> just Formula tired, One, just, just generally exhausted. tired. <laughs> yeah, I can feel you there. Um, yeah, both, both of those, I think, sum up my feelings as well definitely it was a bizarre um end to the race the, the race itself actually wasn't so crazy but the the end of it was definitely something for us to talk about so are we, before we are get... we surprised though like <clears throat> i don't think anyone could have predicted the exact circumstances but are we that surprised we're sitting here after the last race of this season to talk about some controversial things like Sadly, it was always going to be this way, wasn't it? Uh, well, I, I am surprised. Go on, Tom. I, I was going to say, I don't think it's a controversy we thought we might have had if we had no. controversy, I guess. Yeah. If anyone th- predicted exactly that, my... then I want the lottery numbers from them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, cl- the closest I got was the second Latifi was in that wall. I turned to my dad and I literally said, that's a full safety car and Verstappen's winning it on the last lap after a restart. I did say that to him as soon as Latifi hit that wall. What the way it unfolded, I never yeah, I, well, saw no coming. One, but... I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure you needed a crystal ball, Tom, but, <laughs> to see no, that. No, that but was like, I mean, the whole, the, whole, the last few races, the, the whole point of it was just that, like, it was always going to happen. Wasn't it? As soon as Latifi hit that mm. wall, basically, it was kind of inevitable. Well, I as think. soon as the safety car, yeah, as soon as it was a safety car situation, then mm. yeah, we were going to be in in a place where. Well, we were, we were going into the twilight it's zone, safe, weren't we? Which we it's did. safe to say that my dad was not happy with me saying that to his <laughs> face, by the way. He's, he used to be a Red Bull fan, my dad. And then oh. Christian Horner became what he is today. And now he <laughs> despises the man. Um, so he just didn't want to see Christian Horner smug. <laughs> as, as I'm sure man, many of the world and can share sentiments there. <laughs> and my God, did he look smug on that podium. I've never seen a more smug face. You would, though, wouldn't um, you? I mean, you would, but, you know, like, I think given the circumstances and everything that is all around it, which we, we are going to get into in great detail, oh, well. um, it's, it, to me, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway. I will cool. say in the interest of balance, because there's a good chance we have to talk to, I'll talk about, I'll forget about this. I also think Toto um, didn't conduct himself particularly well at all yesterday either no no i Um, I agree both during and after the race so yeah yeah team team bosses all around were a little bit they were definitely if well that that wasn't what we were expecting to see we weren't expecting team team bosses going handbags at dawn it was 
the expectation would be that you'd be mm. Hamilton Verstappen handbags at the door, but actually that was fairly low key. Drivers so actually get into themselves it. quite well, all in all. Yeah. yeah. Let's get into yeah. it. Seems like a good lead into it. So um we'll start with Quali Q two, flat spots on uh, Verstappen's mediums. So he had to set his set another lap on the softs and start on them. Um they would have definitely preferred, I think, the medium to hard strategy, wouldn't they? My my thought at that point in time was that's where Verstappen's lost the championship. Yeah. I really that thought by try, doing a second lap of those tyres and flat spotting them, I thought he'd thrown it away. Because, mm. well, I mean, because it, it looked like he would have to start on the lesser strategy and the race kind of proved that. Like, in, in a normal race with the two of them starting those tyres, the softs were always just not the way to go. Yeah. If they were the way to go, they would have set their first lap on them. Yeah, they wouldn't have. Yeah, tried they would have. They would have that would have been that would have yeah. been plan A. <laughs> yes, yeah, no exactly. Doubt about I mean, that. That's the thing, isn't it? The the plan was always to go with the softer tire of the two race tires, but the soft itself wasn't ever a race tire in reality. Yeah. But my goodness, was it a qualifying tire? Um, oh yeah, <laughs> Verstappen took pole. Incredible lap. Um, what I have nearly half a second, just under half a second, was it? Or was it over half a second? Four and a half tenths, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, four point five. Um, I think that lap was ridiculous. Mm. I would put that lap up there with the likes of, it's like Hamilton's pole lap in Singapore a few years ago. People always hold up as like one of, if not the greatest qualifying lap of all time, and that lap for Stappen on Saturday was up there. Ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. Big time. Or, I mean, almost you know, two back to back, isn't it as well? Yeah, all of those sort of people who say he doesn't deserve a world championship, um, go and watch that lap, and go and watch the lap <laughs> from the last race before. Until that was a great lap, until it wasn't, as we've said. But if you know, if he mm. one teeny teeny tiny mistake at the end of that, and he's again, he's like four and a half seconds. That car, one lap pace in that car with Max Verstappen behind the wheel is just through the roof at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll be gutted that that car's basically going in the bin now and they're starting again next year yeah <laughs> yeah anyway <clears throat> great to lap. sort of just to like piggyback off that before we properly get into it though like i will briefly say like i don't want to speak for you guys but we're, we're probably going to complain a fair bit about the way this race panned out and like we've said for a while now and we said it last episode i think like whoever wins this championship will deserve it like both of them have been unbelievable this year and none of this is going to be us complaining about who is the world champion like both of them deserved it the circumstances around it there are issues with but like in a we're trying to be like non-partisan in this i guess is what i'm saying like yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you, you can speak for me with that statement for sure. Like, I didn't, I definitely didn't want to come on this today and start talking about you know specific drivers. I, I don't think yeah. this podcast today is necessarily going to be about. I don't think there's any particular anything particularly. I don't. Tom's like pulling some faces over there, but I don't think necessarily the driving is going to be the real focus of this today. I think it's much more about regulation interference and um decision questionable decision making at, at, at on a race direction level yeah, yeah. um I, I mean to to lay my table out like i think it's the right decision just executed extremely poorly 
it was the right thing to try and get him racing again. It was just executed mm. terribly. Yeah. Okay. Story so, of the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In so, many ways. Let's get into the race. Let's get into the race. So um, Hamilton takes the lead despite being on the mediums and on the dirty side. Hell of a start from His starts Hamilton. recently have been yeah. crazy. Yeah. He's got it all. He's got it all figured out, hasn't he? He's he's the starts in that car. He's just nailing them this last couple yeah. of races and um, at uh, in Brazil as well. You know, you know the start. Yeah. Um, Verstappen just too much wheel spin through the late phase of the um, of the start, and you could see it and you could hear it uh, on the replays. Hamilton just absolutely monstered him, um, and fair enough, you know. Yeah, I think I feel like any other race. Norris would probably have sent it a little bit more, but if you watch the helicopter shot, it definitely looks like Nor- like Norris got a much better start than Verstappen, and he definitely just backed out a bit sooner than he normally would, which you cannot blame yeah. him for under the circumstances. Well, yeah, I mean, think of those legions of fans that are going to come down on yeah. you like a like a plague of orange locusts. Say, pl- pl- plague <laughs> of orange locusts. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh god, that's a that's a really really we can't have that as an episode. Yeah, now. that's not. Um, <laughs> let's move on. Um, yeah, he'd have, he have his life would just not be worth living if he <laughs> did anything too bad to influence the outcome of that race. I think so. He, I think it was whether that's the right decision or not because it shouldn't be really that like outside factors like that should maybe impact your racing. But you know that was it, it did look like he sort of just. What he even said before the race that like he wanted to let them get on with it and sort it out themselves without yeah, exactly. getting too tangled up in any of it, which but, I think is understandable. Yeah, and I think what what makes it okay for me is that that's a him decision. That's not outside pressure telling him to do that. That's not his team yeah. telling him to do that. He yeah. has decided to take that approach, which I'm fine with. He, well, he's decided to take that approach Bearing in mind the outside pressure of not wanting to yeah. fall afoul of the legions of Verstappen fans, I think. He's also <laughs> mates with Max Verstappen, which yeah, maybe has something to that. do with it. Yeah, that could have something to do with it. Um, so, yeah, the, so that's the race. That's, that's the, more or less the start of the line. Verstappen down the inside at turn six stays on track. It crucially stays within the white lines. Um, ever so slight contact with Hamilton. It looked like there was yeah, a I mean, little bit I, of contact. I think it looked like there was contact, but when you watch Hamilton's onboard, I don't think there actually was. If there it's was, the, it was. It's the way Hamilton sort of countersteers, realising he will make contact if he carries on, and he's just such a sudden like kind of twitch to the right to avoid the contact, yeah. that I don't think they actually touched. It didn't look yeah. it from Hamilton's onboard to me anyway. It looked like it was more that reactive twitch to the side. Yeah, yeah. well, it was like that... that Suddenly, a wild Verstappen appears, and you you move out of the way of the wild. Yeah, or you crash it. You either take avoiding action. He 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 basically did what to me. I, I, this this might be where some of us disagree. I don't know, but to me, he did his classic move of I'm just going to send one down the inside, not leave your racing room, drive you off the track, and you're going to have you can you're going to have to make a decision. You can either keep your racing line, and I'll go into you. Or you can take avoiding action, leave the track, and continue your race, and I'll complain to the stewards about you. It was. It wasn't as egregious an example of that as we've seen lots of other times this season. I mean, he kept it within the white lines, which is more than can be said of other overtake attempts he's made. I think what surprised me is, like, I don't know you guys, but when they entered that back straight in that order, for me, Verstappen was 
always going to have a lunge into the next corner. And yeah. to, for me, Hamilton just seemed a little just lazy in defense. Like I, I fully expected Hamilton to be co- massively covering the inside. I know by doing that, you leave yourself vulnerable for the next corner. So the next straight, sorry. But with the new layout, that is the primary overtaking point. Like yeah. the, the end of the next straight is less of an overtaking point these days. So mm. I honestly, I think Hamilton invited it. Uh, the, yeah, the door, the door was left yeah thoroughly open in my opinion for for him to have a go at it i'm i mean yeah fair enough it's not the cleanest of moves not saying that it is but the the situation is brought on by sort of a lack of a defense really and Mm. leaving it there I, i don't know if like lewis was kind of playing for it thinking well if he does dive down the inside i'll just back out of it and obviously, you know, the, the way, like, in his head, Lewis is thinking, well, if he makes a dive, it's going to play out the way that it did because yeah. I'm just going to be forced off the track and continue on. Mm. I, well, I, Louis, I don't know. Hamilton has been described by Christian Horner as a wily racer, hasn't he? <laughs> you know, like, like, he knows how to make a situation into a situation that, that might normally not benefit him, turn it around and make it into something that can benefit him. Yeah. And I think he's onto something maybe there with this yeah. with this move this weekend. Because I think Hamilton would have gone into that corner knowing full well what Verstappen was going to do. He was always, always, mm-hmm. always going to send one up the inside. And he and Hamilton has been in this position enough times with Verstappen now to know that he's going to get probably get is is not going to be he's not even going to be left racing room. So he knows that he can react to him coming down the inside, and just take a just say he's taking avoid say say he's taking avoid an action, and there's enough previous there yeah. for mm. that to stand. So he knows that as long as he takes it, as long as it, if that car appears there, he can turn jink to the right, take avoid, call it avoiding action, and then keep the position, and mm, then yeah. he's got a much much better run down the straight, so he can make a bit of a gap down the straight. He's not getting back getting him down that second straight and um he can just then build a gap through the technical section um where it's much more downforce and obviously it's much more difficult to follow through that section so you build a gap there and yeah. hopefully you build a big enough gap that the next time you get to the straights then he's not close enough to overtake you so i think yeah. that's what, i genuinely think that's probably what was going on there i think he knew what was coming and he played it to his advantage and it it just comes back to what we've been saying all season, doesn't it? It's like the muddy waters of what is and isn't acceptable yeah. racing and the precedent yeah. has been set before. And like I've seen people I've seen people say that the move that Max attempted there was a very good, perfectly legitimate move. And I can see the argument for that. Personally, I don't think you should be overtaking people by leaving them no choice but to leave the circuit. I mean, yeah, yeah, I agree. I suppose if there was gravel there, Hamilton would probably backed out of it sooner. But yeah, I, I can I can sort of see both sides of the argument on that. What did sort of surprise me was the, so the stewards said no need for investigation because um, Hamilton gave back the advantage he gained, and <laughs> I never. Did he? Oh, <laughs> Well, I mean, there isn't, there isn't a moment of it where if you, if you sort of watch going into, oh, what is it now? It's turn nine now, isn't it? Um, after all that had panned out, 
there is a there is sort of a point in time where Lewis does kind of almost lift through that, I think, and let Max get back up behind him, knowing full well that he can't really make a move again until turn one, probably at the very earliest. Mm. Um, and he kind of, to me, it looks like he lifts a little bit in turn nine just to like bring Max close enough to say, well, we're kind of back where we were and that's where they've sort of left it. Now, I don't know if he was actually asked to do that or not. I don't know if you know if he was actually asked to do that or told to do that, should I say, by race direction. But I think sort of just closing that gap down a little bit to sort of put it back a little bit more where it was is probably what meant that they just left it alone. Basically. The race director, the race director didn't didn't say anything to them. They just right. Hamilton gave the gave a little bit, and the team came on the radio yeah. and said, "We are happy with the gap that you've reinstated." Mm. And, and yeah. then got on the radio to Michael Bass to say, "Look, look, we closed the gap again." Yeah. Sort of thing. Exactly that. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, they pro- I didn't hear that, but they probably would have. I'm, and then... I'm pretty sure we heard that at some point. I mean, oh, right, okay. or I imagine I mean, it's I mean. <laughs> Given given the way that events between those two have played out in previous races and the way that the stewards have made decisions, I'd say overall that's probably the right outcome for that. Like, I yeah. wasn't 100% happy that Max's move was making someone have to leave the track to avoid an incident like what you were saying before, Chris. But mm-hmm. I also don't think that Lewis should have essentially gained like a second on him by keeping his foot in going straight across that runoff. So they both both kind of compensated essentially. Like Lewis retains his first place, but Max gets to stay like within that touching distance of him Mm. for another run at him into a a follow-up corner. I have to say some of the rhetoric coming from... Normally I I agree with Martin Brundle on most things during his commentary. I think he's quite Mm. sort of... Um, he makes really good points, but I think on this occasion, I I do think Brundle got it wrong. I don't think like some of the things that he was saying about them being alongside and things like that. The only reason they were alongside was because Verstappen braked so yeah. late that yeah. it, it left Hamilton no option but to take over. Yeah, you know. if you look at the angle as well that he goes into that corner on and compare that to every other driver on the grid, and obviously you line up an overtake, you're gonna go in on a different angle to everyone else because you do an overtake. That's how overtaking works into corners. But he's in on such an acute angle. He's again putting Hamilton in a situation where he, if Hamilton continues to turn left, he's losing his front wing in yeah. Verstappen's radiator somewhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, to me, that's not a hundred. I guess if I made that move on someone that Verstappen was doing, I would be, I would defend it until it was blue in the face, and mm-hmm. I'd be saying, I, I didn't, I'd be saying exactly what they were saying about Verstappen. So. There's that side of it, but again, I think you, my feeling is you should leave racing room. I think, I think if if there's gravel there and he doesn't leave racing room and Hamilton's off in the gravel, then Verstappen's getting a ten second penalty for driving another driver off the track. Yeah, you know? mm. I could. It, yeah, I can. I can definitely see both sides of that one, and I, I do think the outcome of it. I, I was. I was kind of fine with, honestly. Yeah, I think ultimately it, it came to nothing. It was six to one, half a dozen of the other, um, in my opinion. I think it was equal yeah. wrongdoing yeah. in the situation. So really, at that point, it's just a racing incident. Yeah. And there's not really much more to say about that, I don't think. What do you, do you think we've covered that? Yeah, yeah like I said, I think, I think closing the gap was 
the right thing and it evened it out. It evened out both wrongdoings, in my opinion, doing yeah. it like that. Yeah. So cool. So uh, moving on. Um, Verstappen pits on lap 14, um, leaving 44 laps on the hards for a one stop. Um, Mercedes obviously mirror that strategy because they are ahead and um, they can do that. I was a little surprised by that, if I'm honest. While I can understand the logic of maintain track position, the big, well, they, they had two advantages they had track position and they had tire life. And by mirroring the strategy, yep. they just gave one of those two advantages away. And oh, do you know what? This is the start mm. of a of Mercedes's downfall for me in this race. To be brutally honest with you, and it's why I'm not that disheartened that Lewis didn't win the race because for me, in these pit strategies, Mercedes were played by Red Bull at every single turn, and it's not very often that happens. Mm. But I think for the most part. Mercedes made the wrong call every single time when it came to the pit stops. Wow. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think they should have taken Lewis off the mediums when he was on them because he had far more life in them. I don't think they should have not pitted behind the virtual safety car like what Max did. And to be brutally honest, I think when they knew that they were in the situation they were going to be in behind the safety car with Max pitting, I think they should have potentially tried to cover him off there as well. But... Mm, well, that, I mean that that um, was the mo- that was the most difficult one. But to be honest with you, they wouldn't have had as much of a problem there had they made okay, the right decisions so, earlier on because it wouldn't right. have been on fifty lap old tires or whatever they were yeah. at that point. Okay, let, let's let's not, not get ahead. Lap, sorry, let, let, let's um, let's talk about this um, the first pit stop first. Then we'll get. I'm sure we'll get to the other pit stops. Um, I think- this pit stop, yeah. So he's sacri- he has sacrificed tire life, as Chris says. That's that's for sure. I think, though, at the same time, it's 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 the it's the safe option to 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 put them on what they don't want because Red Bull have not run the hard tire all weekend at this point, so no one knows how quick the Red Bulls are going to be on that tire, um, and Mercedes don't know if Red Bull are going to be really really fast as fast as they are on the mediums. So, what Mercedes do know is how quick they are on a fresh set of hard tires and they know that the mediums are going to go off in probably another start he's going to start losing performance from the mediums in maybe five or six laps and what they don't want is to be in a situation where Verstappen can get the undercut and while you've got that five or so second advantage where Red Bull pit from behind you know that you can safely come in and come in and do a a fairly pedestrian pit stop if you want to and still come out ahead and do a safe pit stop so while while with all that information at your fingertips and you're leading a race, why risk losing the risk of the race when you know you can cover that that pit stop it's, and come out in front and continue to do the hard work on track? It's true. Another factor was Red Bull were running a pretty low down four setup. Um, like they they were prioritizing straight line speed with their setup. So. If you did end up behind them, they may well have been quite tricky cars to overtake, even if you had, uh, you know, an overall lap time advantage. Um, but yeah, like I, I do kind of agree with Tom. Maybe not on every single choice, but I definitely feel like I felt like watching the race that Hamilton led the majority of that race, despite his strategy, not because of it. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And f- like I say, to, to sort of embellish on the point I was making, the only reason the safety car decision is the wrong one is because they put themselves in a rubbish position to begin with. Yeah. Had they made better choices earlier on, the one at the end be- behind the safety car doesn't actually matter. But... So, mm-hmm. so me saying that they yeah, made the wrong decision say, there is they wouldn't. There have, isn't, there they isn't a right decision to make. Yeah, there. but they wouldn't have been in that position had they made the right decisions earlier on. Is probably a better way of putting what I was saying. They, but, left, but yes. still, I think the, the the first two were both incorrect yeah. decisions. And okay. you, you can say that you can say like, oh, well, that's hindsight, blah 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 blah. But there were a lot of us saying it at the time. Mm. Like so many of us at the time were sat there saying, "That's a mistake." Like the, covering him off like that yeah. is a mistake, or not covering him off under the virtual safety car is a mistake. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I'm not sure I agree on the fir- the first pit stop. I I probably I'm I'm more I'd, I would err on, that early in the race. I'll probably err on the side of caution. Um, the second pit stop, or the second opportunity to pit during the virtual safety car, I would I agree with you that Mercedes probably should have pitted at that point. It was a risky strategy leaving yeah. Hamilton I, out. I think if you do even just one of them differently, it changes the complexion of the rest of the race, to be brutal honest with you. And like, because you, you don't necessarily, like, if he'd stopped in that first one, sorry, if he'd not stopped in that first one, imagine how different that race plays out because that virtual safety car becomes his stop for the hards off the medium and he's mm-hmm. done it under a virtual safety car. That's like, true, and he's got a much, much bigger gap, and he's probably not getting involved. Like, in ju- just think, well. just I mean, yeah, fair enough. We still end up with a safety car at the end of the race that bunches everybody back up. You, but you're in a position where he's got such a gap that he's got younger tyres. He's able to save those tyres because he's not got Max up his rear end making moves on him. It changes the complexion of okay. the entire final, final section of the race. There's another factor that you're not considering, and that's the Perez factor. There is that. So if well, Hamilton, yeah. if if Hamilton is catching, so obviously they're always going to leave Perez out until Hamilton catches him, whether Hamilton pits or not. Yeah. And Hamilton on fresh tires again against Perez on old old tires is always going to be an easier situation to manage than Hamilton on worn tires versus Perez on tires of a similar age. Yeah. So yeah. That's probably a reason why they brought him in because they knew they were one of the bigger reasons why they brought him in because they knew there's everything I just mentioned about sort of being less a little bit less risky and having that pace advantage. What they don't want is to catch up to Perez on worn tires, get held up to the point where they're brought back into Verstappen's pit window, and they then come out behind Verstappen because they were always, always, always going to use Perez. To oh, back yeah, Hamilton absolutely. Up. So Perez, Perez is that's never why going I, in. I, I, yeah, I 100% agree with you on the second during the virtual safety car, but I think yeah. it's not that clear cut on the first safety car. I think, I it's, think th- there's there's a lot more at play. I oh, sorry, in, on the first pit stop, not yeah. the first. I said <laughs> safety car, I meant pit stop. I think also, like, for m- most races this season, Mercedes have been pretty pretty safe with strategy they've like played it with a straight bat for the most part and normally that's been more than enough for them but yeah. on this occasion doing that left them vulnerable to exactly what happened 100 yeah absolutely yeah i mean uh, on a just on a strategy counter just to to keep it interesting i think if lewis doesn't pit when he does for that first pit stop perez is going to have to go in before he does because he's on soft tires 
But ultimately, it will come to a point where he's losing so much time, he's not a weapon to them anymore. But he, he, he already was. He, was, he well, was already at that point where they left him out, and he was still a weapon. <laughs> if you um, if you believe some conspiracy theories, Perez was never finishing that race anyway, because he only had yeah. two-thirds of a tank of fuel to make him a bit faster. Ele- but we're Ele- not going to go down that route. No way. Yeah. Who, where have yes. you read that? I have um, seen people very seriously claiming that. There is a lot of claims of that on the internet. Well, because his I retirement right was now quite that- mysterious. The, re- the yeah. reason he retired was because they his they said that his engine was going to go and they didn't want him to stop on track and cause there to be another lap of safety car. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. They, it was it was a high. They they said it was a hydraulics issue, was it not? It was. It, I heard engine issue. I heard that the uh, engine yeah. was about to explode. Hmm. But um, that does make sense. Actually, that's actually quite smart if you think your second car is likely to cause a longer safety car. Yeah, get him off the track. But then you know that's the perfect thing to say. Well. I mean, you know, no one's ever going to know any better. It could be that they short fueled it. I don't think they would have short fueled it because no, I don't think so for a second. It would have had more pace. It made me laugh Um, though as a conspiracy theory. Yeah, well, yo, he's taken his way off track there. (laughs) (laughs) So as we go through the gravel, let's figure out Perez. So Perez stays out, defends, um, and then repasses Hamilton through turns six and nine, um, and then slows up through the final sector. That bit of racing was hectic, phenomenal. It was good racing, though. That was yeah, so was... good. This is, How this is he did Toto it. Wolf upsetting me, incident number one, by the way. Go on then, Tom, hit me. Well, just whinging about it to mm. to the stewards and then Massey having to come on and say, I'm sorry, but that's just racing, mate. Get over it. Perhaps, per- <laughs> um, perhaps Toto was a bit salty because his second driver was nowhere near the fight at the front to play a similar yeah, role. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, to, for me, though, that was just good racing. We all knew that Perez was slower. We all knew that Perez was going to do his absolute utmost to keep Hamilton behind him to bring his teammate into the title fight. So what was wrong with any of that racing? Like, it no, was some of the most fantastic. thrilling racing we had. <laughs> yeah. and it was like, so, it was, At that point, it was the best part of the race up to that point, I think. Yeah. Like you said, like we all knew 100%. he was going to try and do that. But like I was thinking, like, oh, like there's going to be all this build-up, then Hamilton's probably just going to cruise past him because... Perez's tyres must be shot by now. Like, oh, there he goes. He's passed him on the straight. And then Perez is just like, nah. <laughs> Sling it back on the inside. <laughs> and then, like, kicks up dust down the neck. It was so good. So, so good. Like, yeah. My heart was in my Oh, yeah. Like, they were so close point. on that I back straight. Could bet. They only needed him. They wanted him to. They asked him to take, like, two seconds out. And in the end, he took about five seconds out. Of so, yeah. I, he was, I, went, I went back and watched. Verstappen was about six or seven seconds behind Hamilton, wasn't he? And then by uh, yeah. the end of it, he was like on his gearbox, two. more or less. Two, two, two seconds at the end. After oh, it's not that far. So oh, in, yeah. in the end, yeah, but it, initially he was about six or seven behind, was he not? I went back like, and rewatched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, yeah, yeah, at, yeah. The, yeah. at the entrance to turn six on lap 20, Verstappen was 8.5 behind. Wow. At the same point on the track, the next lap, 1.2. What? Insane. Yeah, so I told you. I, the, knew, I knew it was a lot. The gap <laughs> did then stretch out a little more in the corners afterwards, but from that exact point on the track, lap to lap, yeah, it went from 8.5 to 1.2. Wow. That's some very detailed analysis, Chris. I'm going off what I remember at the time. <laughs> so you, you've done a way better job than me. You, you should be the host. Of, you should be hosting today, not me. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it, it, that was epic. It, there, there was a, through the hotel section, it almost looked like Verstappen had like, parked it on the apex. Uh, sorry, 
Perez had parked it on the yeah. apex and then held Hamilton up to the point where he's got nowhere to go. So I think that's where like a bulk of that time was was it there's like three yeah. seconds there. It was um I watched oh it was um Driver Sixty One on YouTube. I watched his latest video yeah. earlier. And he said like So good. Yeah, brilliant. If you if you don't watch his stuff, very much do. But he said like it sounds easy, I would just drive slowly, but there's such a skill to driving yeah. slowly in the right way that doesn't just let yeah. the guy behind you just drive past and it was it was perfection. It's been it's been yeah. slow at the exact right moment, yeah. and and not even in those moments so slow that you make yourself vulnerable. Like yeah, it, and not being dangerous as well. Yeah, yeah. There's there's mm-hmm. so many factors to consider with it. Is yeah. is really masterclass of defensive good driving. defensive driving. Yeah. You yeah. know what? Actually, maybe if you look back to the last race when Verstappen was driving slowly, <laughs> <laughs> maybe they should like go in the back and just have a quick word. <laughs> like take you know maybe maybe Perez can give him a few tips about how to drive a car drive slowly but safely. Maybe. That was a masterclass yeah. in where not to drive slowly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that was that. Um, and then we had a virtual safety car on lap 36 after Giovinazzi had stopped. Um, and this is, so this, is this I think this area here is like where it starts to get sort of more shake, much more shaky for Mercedes. So mm-hmm. Tom, as you, as, as we've, as we've sort of touched on, um, Hamilton stays out, Verstappen pits for new hards um, and comes out 17 seconds behind with about 20 laps to go. And so at that point, the expectation is that Verstappen, I think he had to take about eight tenths out of Hamilton mm. to yeah. get him within striking distance at the end of the race. But although showing some good pace as, I mean, this was a little bit muddied because this was around the time Hamilton was catching back markers and, you know, there were certain laps where he was taking a second out and there were other laps where he was taking like a, a tenth out. So, it was hard to tell quite in those initial laps how just how quick and how 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 fast Verstappen was and how quick the gap was going to close. But then, as it as that progressed, it became clear that there probably wasn't enough pace in the Red Bull to to get to the Mercedes. However, Mercedes did have the opportunity at that point. But as soon as that virtual safety car came out, Mercedes could have brought it into the pits, and they they did leave themselves a little bit vulnerable to to a situation to to potential safety cars to you know to, to a to a car you know if, if safety, at that point if a safety car comes out and verstappen catches you up he's on much fresher tires yep. you're going to be in a situation where he's he's going to find it a, a bit easier to get past you despite whatever pace you've got in that mercedes car so uh, i think of the all, this, this is the most critical mistake i think yeah. this is the biggest one of them all and so you, you, the, the the first one you can get away with, like to you know to obviously it's flip flopping a little bit, but like say Stu changes my mind about well pitting as early as he did on the first stint. The Perez factor, was, yeah, yeah. yeah, was the right thing to do. Let let's go along with that and say, yeah, actually, you might be right there. Here, if you've done that, like it's you need to, it needs to be one or the other, basically. Like you either need to hold it out and use this virtual safety car to get off those mediums, or you needed to have um like kind of done that and then covered max off it like it, i don't know it just feels mm. it, honestly i feel like mercedes were just so scared of max having track position they were so yeah, terrified definitely. of max having track position that they didn't think of any other circumstance other than as long as we're in front of him on track we're all right 
So and they, they almost became blinkered by that fear, it feels what, at times. What's, what do you think has caused that fear? Do you think they're worried about Verstappen causing an incident, taking them both out of the race and ending the World Championship? I, I, don't, know if it's or... as, I don't know if it's as clear-cut as that, but I think it is just an element of... Like, I don't I don't understand the fear, so obviously I could be wrong, but like the for me, that's the way that their strategy played out is they were just terrified to give him the track position. But mm-hmm. then I don't understand why, because on race pace, that Mercedes was a quicker car. So imagine how it would have been if they'd actually stopped and put fresh boots yeah. on the thing. Well, well yeah. to, to build to build on, on your point, they maybe it could be absolutely no doubt Mercedes did not want Hamilton and Verstappen anywhere near each other. I 100% agree with you there. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think Mercedes for all the fear they had of that situation, I think they probably there was also an element of confidence there that they could all in, under normal circumstances they could manage that situation and and yeah, keep the position. You know, they, they, there was enough pace in that Mercedes that Verstappen was never going to catch him before the end. He'd need another mm. twenty laps to catch him, and at that point, that's a different race altogether. So, there's an argument to say that they were right to not take the risks because any if if you're confident, if if you know your strategy works, and if you know they're not going to catch you, there's not really much need to take the risk of of pitting because if you take a pit stop and the pit stop goes wrong, if um, if if the the only way that that strategy doesn't work is if something goes wrong and there's a safety car, and unfortunately for mm. Mercedes, that is what happened. Even at that point, if Mercedes had fresher hard tires on, still at that point when the safety car comes out, if they pit and they lose track position, then that's that's game over. And and um. Red Bull are always going to do the opposite of what Mercedes do in that situation as well. Mm. So they're kind of the whole, the almost they're almost a victim of their own pace. Like their pace was mm. really good, but not so good that it gave them such a huge advantage over yeah. everyone else over the Red that's, Bulls. I mean, that's fair to say. I mean, Hamilton so, was on tires that were what was it like fourteen, fifteen laps older. Yeah, um, like than Verstappen, and yeah. in the few laps before the safety car came out, he was actually growing the gap again. Like yeah. that, that pace on much older tires is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think another factor as well is like it's easy to forget that this track was a massive unknown, so you're not going to plot a strategy that involves having to overtake cars when you don't really know if you're going to be able to overtake cars on a circuit you've semi not been to before. On that point, just as a sidebar, how effective do you think the changes to the circuit have been? Do you think it has been better for overtaking or worse for overtaking? So so says Wesley in the inbox just to give him his due. Um, I think it was much, much better, but still far from perfect. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the moves were coming at the same place that we've always expected them, which is that chicane at the end of the straight. Yeah, but the so preceding I, corner seemed to make it easier to follow onto the straight, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. I, this, this. So, my, my sort of summary of what we went through with the changes 
um, when we were talking about in Discord before the race, like when we were like after we'd seen them running on track. My sort of general opinion was most of the changes were good. However, the turn nine banking corner taking away that that chicane as potential yeah. taking away an overtaking spot. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying in there as well. There's yeah, no excuse for like, that. I'm not saying that the corner needed to stay as it was because that, that off camber left, there's like the, there's like the left, right chicane. Then there's that weird little off camber sort of yeah. hard left. It's and that, what, that drive, one was, yeah. that one was nasty, but you could have kept the chicane and done something different with that little bit on mm. the harbour that, that takes you back into the harbour. I mean, you could have still had the chicane and had it drive out onto something that was like a bit of a flat out left hander or something or a bank left hander there. And I think that bit of it maybe still needs looking at, but the rest of it was yeah. was positive for me mm. because the chicane going down into the hairpin um, in the Ferrari stands never worked. Never achieved anything. No. And by changing it into a, a different style of braking zone for the for the left-handed hairpin, if you still want to call it that, that that was promoting opportunity and making sure that the chicane at the far end of that straight still provided the opportunity it always had and let people set up moves there and stuff like that. So I think I think that that first sector and a half was positive. And I think the final sector changes underneath the hotel. Yeah, just going to say, rounding off those corners made a huge difference. Yeah, it's just that one bit for me. The cars through the hotel section actually looked much more lively and exciting to look at than they have in previous races. It was always so clumsy before, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But ironically, that's where three incidents came over the course of the weekend. (laughs) Well, I think because they've made them faster corners, so they're much more on the edge than what they were. Um, and that's why that's exactly why we've seen that. Um, I think the the big banks to was it turn nine the really big bank it's turn nine officially straight. now yeah yeah I, I definitely that's I think they've given with one hand in in making turn four into sort of a big breaking zone onto a, a more making it making it into a more open corner and by they've taken with the other. By making that into a yeah. big fast bank corner, because you've taken away an, an overtaking opportunity, really. Yeah, yeah. You, you you need a pretty big advantage, I think, to be able to get around the outside of another car through. through yeah, so it'd be a bonsai move to get around the outside round turn nine. Now, I mean, F two did it. <laughs> F two did, did, didn't always know, work you know, out, but they tried it. <laughs> I think the thing there though is like the stakes are lower there, like. You're not going as fast. Yeah, you have a lot less downforce, and it's lot your, your cars. Those cars follow each other much more easily. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the in a Formula One car, the speeds are so high and the stakes are so high, and as in like it's much more dangerous. Then you know it's, it's not really a realistic prospect putting an overtaking through turn nine. No. In a Formula One car. Um but anyway, that's that's our very brief review sidebar into the new um, <laughs> Abu Dhabi circuit in Yas Marina. I we now have to move on to the the meat of this thing, <laughs> which uh, uh, you can see me just buying time. Yeah. I don't I don't want to do this. I really don't want to talk about this, but here we go. Um Lap fifty three. Queen Latifi, I mean Lat- Nicholas Latifi crashes and there's a safety car in the crashes in the hotel section that we just mentioned mentioned which yeah causes, mm-hmm. obviously the same way specific. that bottas almost did and raikkonen has yeah. early in the weekend yeah. 
almost Bottas identical so between all lucky. three of them as well. Yeah. Well, Bottas um, was definitely the luckiest. I think yeah. Latifi maybe the unluckiest. Yeah. And Raikkonen's was just the most spectacular, I think. Okay. <laughs> we've, we've danced around this enough. Let's do, let's do this. So, safety car. Hamilton stays out. Verstappen obviously does the opposite pits for softs because that's the correct strategy in that yep. situation. As the car behind, you have to do something different. It's a fairly straightforward strategy call. I wouldn't say, you know, they've they've sort of rewritten the rule book on, on race strategy by doing that. And um, very briefly on this one, I don't think you can blame Mercedes as much. Because no, I yeah, I, I, you're, I agree. I you're agree. either if you pit at that point, you're either giving away the race lead with a handful of laps to go, or you're giving away um, the race lead, and then it'll end in the safety car, and you won't even get to have those last racing laps. So, yeah. I mean, in in this scenario, this is the one that's like the 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 forgivable one, I guess, and it, it comes back to more what I was saying earlier, where if they'd not put themselves on the back foot with the earlier decisions, it wouldn't have, it possibly wouldn't have mattered anyway. Yeah. In, in, in hindsight. And without Maybe, getting... But... Or it would have mattered less. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and without because getting I think ahead of ourselves... Go on, Chris. Under normal circumstances, under the way these things normally play out, it was the correct strategy choice. Absolutely, 100%. Why would you sacrifice track position when you knew that there was going to be, in all likelihood, the the more likely, at that, you know, on lap 53 of 58 laps, when they've got to remove a car from the circuit, that's probably three laps worth of of safety car. Um, Well, that's that's three laps for the safety car to come out, for the, the pack to catch up to the safety car for the lapped cars to overtake them to to unlap themselves and then for the safety car to do its lap mm-hmm. come in and then the as should be as is normally the case and then for the race to begin that's that race is beginning on the final corner essentially at that yeah. point in in Mercedes mind that that that's what they are planning for yeah because that's probably the you know that's you don't need to be clairvoyant to see that. Like it's that when you factor in other safety cars around this circuit in similar circumstances, there's, it's always been roughly that number of laps. They know what they're doing. Like Mm -hmm. they haven't really made a mistake. And to pit in that situation on the off chance that Red Bull pit, could just be you're throwing away the race because you're always under the opposition of the race. That's it. Like in, in the other scenario, I mean, this, this is, this is where the, they were like at a disadvantage no matter what they did in theory because his tyres were that old that even if he'd not pitted and Red Bull had not pitted, Max would have still been able to have a go at him with the newer yeah. hard tyres that he was on. It was it was inevitable that Max was going to be able to have a, a pop at it if the racing resumed. It, it was yeah. always going to happen. Red Bull obviously took like the huge gamble of let's just get on the most ultimate compound we can be on to take <laughs> yeah. him on. In yep. the hope, in the hope which that is, it plays out like this, which is fair, but which again, like, the like you say, if if Lewis had gone in and done that and gone for a soft tire, even if Max, I mean, 
Max could have then stayed out on those hards and you might have seen a bit of a role reversal, but that's not worth the risk for Mercedes. So th this exactly. is, th I mean, like I said, this is the one that I think they made the right call for the situation, but the situation probably wouldn't have been as bad for them had they made different decisions earlier on. Um, but, I mean, four, four laps is a, is a decent amount of time to clear a car that's near an exit. Like... Like I said, as it happened, well, there was a I fire was there, wasn't there? It wasn't just as simple as like the car was on fire at one point. There was yeah, a huge I mean, it was, brake fire. That it was out and gone though. Like I, I, I mean, I, they like still got to put I, it out. They've got to put it out before they can get near the car. The car, the fire has to be put out before they can go near yeah, that car, start attaching cranes all, to it and things that's, like that. That's all understandable. But what I'm saying is they got it done. Like they did get it done. There was there was always the there, there was always the the likelihood that they would clear that car. Because there's, you've got to factor they, sweeping up the debris as well. There's a lot of debris around. They had around. to get a Again, tractor point. onto the circuit as well. The, the thing Again, is... they did it. it, like, it well, it, well you, you, we've got to think about Stuart Stewards in, in scenarios like, I mean, he is very good for it. Silverstone's very good for it. Monaco is very good for it. Mm -hmm. There's a handful of circuits in the world that if you're going to put your money on, those marshals will get on that circuit and get it cleared to be racing. This is one of them, especially yeah. given the scenario we're in. Like, I mean, somewhere like Saudi Arabia or because um, we've not been there before, you don't know. Somewhere like Baku, it's a bit more difficult because it is far more enclosed. Yeah. Like th there's certain scen scenarios where you look at that and that race was done. But there's other circuits, this being one of them, in my opinion, where you look at that scenario and you're like three laps and that's clear. There's a lap of racing to be had there. Mm. However, I, while I don't disagree with you, it comes back to the original point we made, which is even if that is the case, there historical precedent says there are two scenarios. Either they get everything cleared, they let all of the lapped cars through and you yep. probably run out of laps, or they decide to get the race going earlier and the lap cars are mixed in. Yep. And... I still think Mercedes leaving Hamilton out was the correct thing to do under either of those scenarios. That's that's where Red Bull's strategy shot them in the foot, to be honest, because because they came up an extra two cars. Yeah, they they ended up with more traffic between them yeah. and Lewis. Like that that played that situation in into fruition, I guess, into what it turned out to be. Well, because what it had did Mags do... not stopped, there wouldn't have been. I mean, would there have been any uh, two lapped cars between them? I think. Three, three. Three. There would have been three between them if you'd have not pitted. So that's correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it, it plays a factor, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. But then, well, if Max hadn't pitted, he would never have won the race because we'd already had however many laps of him not been able to catch Hamilton on those same tires. So mm. it was all Red Bull always going to take that gamble. Like, yeah, yeah Hamilton was just going to definitely for sure if if. So let's let's look at like the likely scenario if um, if they leave the status quo, don't let any cars through. There's absolutely no doubt Hamilton wins that race because Hamilton yeah. will pull away from the pack. Um, Verstappen's held up because he's trying to get around five cars over the space of one lap. Um, that just ain't happening. So Hamilton absolutely categorically would win that race. Yeah. Um, as it happened instead of letting the entire pack through, well, instead of doing that, 
and letting them just race without letting any of the pack through, any of the lapped cars through. They only let five... This is unprecedented. They only let five cars through and the rest of the lapped cars. So that's behind Verstappen, we've got Ricardo and Stroll who are lapped. Then you've got Sainz on the lead lap and Bottas on the lead lap. And then... Behind Bottas, you've got Mick Schumacher, who's been lapped probably more than once at that point. And behind Mick Schumacher, you've got Sonoda and Gasly. So altogether, there's eight cars that need to unlap themselves, yeah, which is actually not a huge... It's not even like a five. huge ask. Do, do you know what? I, I, I genuinely think this causes less controversy if they let them all through. Mm-hmm. I say they should have just let them like, all through. I don't understand why they didn't just let them all through. There's two. There's two factors to this here, right? They took the time to let those the, those five cars through to let the if if the other three are told in time, they can go through with them, and it solves the problem essentially because all all eight of those cars can go. Um, the other side to this that causes controversy and issue is the fact that Michael Massey cannot make a decision and stick to it. Whether it's, I don't care whether it's team principals getting in his ear, whether it's like some little voice in the back of his mind going, oh my God, how's this going to play out on social media if I let this cut? Like, I don't care what it is that does it. He makes a decision and then something browbeats him out of it. And it's not the first time it's happened. No. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. that's my biggest problem with all this. If if he if he has the stones to say, sorry, but this is going to finish behind the safety car. It's been a great race but we can't get the lap cars out of the way or, or it's finishing with the lap cars where they are. That's how it's ending. You respect him for having the stones. Yeah, it neutralizes the race, but at the end of the day, he's made a fair call. On yeah. the other side, think... if he says so unlap just... everybody, uh, uh, but, but says it from word go that he basically says, I'm going to let everybody lap through and then we will we'll have one lap of racing. If he says that from the start of the previous lap, and everybody's on the same page, then there's no... Like, the, the problem here is that he says one thing, then does then the does, other. Does, then he does the opposite. That's right. the problem. Yeah. So, um, to answer my own question just a moment ago, <laughs> why didn't he let why didn't he let all eight cars through? I think the reason the reason they gave that they didn't let all the all eight of the cars through was because there wouldn't have been time for them all to get through. Mm, I don't know that. through. If, well, yeah, then, well, yeah, that's the obvious <laughs> solution. But, um, the, I mean, there so would have been time if he'd have made me... his decision originally, though. This is the point. Yeah. So, well, mm. if he'd have made his decision, at the time he said yeah. no cars are coming through, if he'd they have made were... the decision the other way, they'd have had time. But they were literally like, they were just before turn nine. And if you look at, like, if you look at the driver tracker as all this thing was panning out, um, you can see that the the lapped cars have have gotten around. Just, they're just around get going under hotel when because obviously they've streaked off ahead. Yeah, and Hamilton's still behind the safety car, like with the rest of the pack behind him. Um, they're in a situation at that point where they've got to say safety car in this lap if they're going to say it. Then yeah, yeah, B- because if they don't, they're not going to get. They're not going to get the racing. So if they, there is a there is a semi valid argument to say that you couldn't get the rest of the cars through in time to get the race going that lap, but that but again, 
if you know that's not going to be the case, then that shouldn't be the case, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you they- know you're going to have to break your own rule to to get the race going, then surely the the rules come before getting the race going again. This is this is the thing for me: is does he make the if he makes the decision at the original point that he says it's not going to happen? There's probably time to sort it, and there's way less controversy. the The problem he's caused himself here is by saying. Nope, it's not happening. And then thirty seconds to a minute later, like half a lap later, changing his mind. Yeah. So, it was so he recording... did have Red Bull in his ear the entire time for that as well. You yeah, know? but, but he had I Mercedes mean, the entire it, year it, as well. It, to be fair, yeah, he did. It, but he, had but he ignored. He actually ignored Mercedes for a while. They tried to contact him six times, and they and he completely ignored them and just had Red Bull in his ear the entire time. But I mean, on the flip side, during the virtual safety car, you've got Toto Wolf in his ear going, oh, please don't make it a full safety car, Michael. It'll that ruin the race. Like, that's pathetic. They, and they're as they, bad, they as, they they're as, bad as each other for me. Like, they were all at I, it. I lost a lot of respect for Toto Wolf for those kind of comments. And mm-hmm. I, I I mean, I didn't have that much for Christian Horner to begin with, so it pretty much did the <laughs> same. But I mean, Toto sank to their level at that point with comments like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, me. bear in mind we we only hear, you know, we only just started hearing all this. This stuff is as well this 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 is not new. This has been going. Yeah. This would have Charlie Whiting would have been dealing with the same stuff, you know. I, I I'm really interested now if it if it has always been like this and now we're just hearing it, or whether because they know it gets broadcast, they're doing it more. Mm. It's probably a little bit from Bit-ball. column A, and a little but, from yeah. column B. I just that honestly for me that needs to be made into a one way radio. You just. Team principals yeah. Yeah, lobbying 100%. the race director just shouldn't yeah. be happening. It's not on. It's absolutely not on. Uh, out of interest, did either of you see uh, Martin Brundle's comments about the difference between Michael Massey and Charlie Whiting and why he thinks Michael Massey is struggling in these actually. situations? No, pray so, tell. So basically he said... The, the headline was fantastic because it was Massey needs help, <laughs> but but what his mm. point his point was yeah. basically that Charlie Whiting yes was race director, but he also had Herbie Blash if you remember working mm-hmm. with him. He had a right hand man, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and yeah, they yeah. would make the decisions together, or they would maybe double like you know what one one person takes one decision while one's looking at another, whatever it might be. And from the sounds of it, from what Brundle's saying, is basically Massey doesn't have any of that. And he's maybe taken on way more much than he can handle as a single person. Ma- and ma- way more than anyone, as... anyone could handle. Not yeah. just, no, it's not yeah. way more and than Michael well, that, can handle. It's maybe that's what I was about to say is if Charlie Whiting had a right-hand man sat next to him to assist with that role, then anybody else is going to need yeah. at least one person to help him. Yeah. And like, so we, we only did this podcast like sadly i think we only got to do one or two seasons uh with charlie in charge mm. and how many times did we mention his name in those seasons not once maybe no. maybe a couple of times yeah. we, we, the only time we yeah. mentioned it would have been when someone was it would have been in jest yeah. we wouldn't have, we would never yeah, have yeah. mentioned yeah, yeah, exactly. it like, like in these kinds of circumstances he was never he was never the focal point ever there was no. never ever just, ever not ever, even ever, yeah. for a second how often do we talk about Michael Massey? He's always all the time at the center of it. And it's just like there's lots of people calling for Michael Massey's head in these last couple of days. And while I can understand that sentiment, point to me 
another person who can step into that job. I genuinely don't think there is anybody. Um, no, I don't know about that. I think that there's no individual that can step into the well, job. Yeah, well, this is as, it, isn't as, it? As you can see, as, you, as, as has played out over the course of two seasons, it's not a job that any individual can do. It's a, it's a job for at least two people, maybe even three people. This is exactly um, it, because, like, we've, we've kind of, like, danced around it and been very factual, but, like, there's no toys about it. What happened at the end of this race was an absolute farce. It's one of the most insane, idiotic terrible for the sport things i've ever seen in formula one and something's got to change like i think i think firstly like someone within the fia needs to sit there with michael massey and say like this is your job like yeah like just (laughs) like take a step back (laughs) these things are your job stop trying to do all these other things and then give him read this yeah and then give him some more people to help him do that job yeah. Like, I, I, you can't I, run it ad hoc. I think the problem is he's he's doing it a bit ad hoc, isn't he? He's kind of like coming up with some of these. I can kind of appreciate what he's trying to do because, it, make no mistake, that was bloody entertaining. Whatever side of the fence you're sitting on, <laughs> like that was my god, my heart was in my mouth. Just no denying Was it that. entertaining? Was it entertaining for the right reasons? No, because to me, it wasn't sport. To me, it was reality TV. At yeah. that point, we, we, we've crossed the threshold. We're now in the twilight zone. Everyone, welcome. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we're we're just doing things for for clicks and for views and for for attention, rather than actually setting a set of stringent rules, following them, and watching how events play out. That's I think, and I think this is it. I think there's there's a. It almost feels. Uh, I said this last episode and I thought I was being a bit harsh for it, but I'm going to say it again. It feels a little bit like he's meddling almost. Mm. Like he, we've said it a few, when there's been penalties applied, you know, we've mentioned over the year that it somehow mysteriously balanced itself out the other way from time to time. Um, and mm. I, at the risk of putting a tinfoil hat on, I wonder if some of these sort of circumstances where penalties have mysteriously somehow magically managed to balance themselves out over the course of a season, how much influ- how much of that is engineered? And after what I've seen this weekend, how much of that is engineered mm. and how much of it is just naturally occurring? Because um, yeah. that at the end there of the race, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that that was engineered. They wanted a race between yeah. the two title protagonists at the front, and they didn't really. They stopped thinking about any other car on that track at that point. And I, like I've always been hesitant to go down that route of thinking because, like, that's quite a big accusation to put against a sport. But when after this race, you've got I've seen comments from a third or more of the drivers on the grid saying things like that was clearly just done for TV. I don't understand yeah. that decision other than it just to spice up the end of the race. And spice There's not the a person in the world understands that decision. There's just, there's no logic for it. There's no precedent for it. There are, there are historically two things have been done in the same. We keep saying, but there's a, you either under the safety car, you let all the lap cars through, you restart the following lap or you let no lap cars through and you restart it this lap. 
there's literally yeah. no precedent for, oh, we'll let these five through who just happen to be the five between the championship protagonists. Uh, it, like I say, that, that's, that's the bit that's the main problem for me. It's indefensible. That, it that's is, the bit that's totally the main problem. It should have been all or none. But I, I still stand by the fact that if he pulled his finger out and made the decision to do that earlier, yeah. instead instead of umming and ahhing about it, saying it wasn't going to happen, then changing his mind, things are different. Things like, are different. Make, you make still you still decision. get that. Yeah, exactly. You basically still get the the entertaining race on the final lap, but you get it without the controversy because he's made the decision half a lap earlier. Yeah, like I mean, I I, I genuinely haven't had time to go back and see how it played out, but I I would love well, I to have. see. Uh, well, there you go. At what at what point officially does he does it oh. be made known that? Lap cars will not be overtaken. I can tell you, I have a window, a screenshot here of the um, information screen from the circuit that somebody. They're uh, on like the, the back straight, aren't they? They're on like the first long straight. So point. around the chicane, I can't. I can't tell you the exact position on lap fifty-five, uh, fifty-six. Sorry, send me the screen grab. I'll tell so you I haven't got the exact position on the circuit. What I have got is the times the messages came through. So yeah, that's good enough for me. Eighteen twenty-seven lapped cars will not be allowed to overtake. Yep. 1831, so between three and four, four minutes. Between three and four minutes later, lap cars 4, 14, 31, <laughs> 16, 5 to I mean, overtake. And sorry, then that's, that's easily a full lap behind the safety car, if not more. Yeah, easily. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. less than a minute after lap cars can overtake, safety car in this lap. Nope. Yeah. He, yeah. he, make, he makes that decision properly at that four minute earlier timestamp. There, in, there isn't an argument because he's made the decision in a fair time that you made gotta, sense well, for everyone. To play devil's advocate, you've got to consider the what is going on on track at that particular point. It's an evolving situation. He doesn't know at that point how quickly the stewards are going to be, the marshals are going to be able to get the car off the track and out of the way and get everything cleared up. But as far so, as I know, it was cleared at that point, wasn't it? I don't bet you haven't got that in your No, 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 it wasn't. It was, um, I don't think it was at that point. So weirdly... 1831 safety car in this lap. 1832 track clear. So, <laughs> so there's three a whole three minute window. No, no, where... one minute, one minute. Oh, a minute long. Window. A minute maximum. But then again, that could easily be the one fifty nine thirty two or one. The marshalling team tell Michael Massey over the radio the track is yeah. clear. He presses the safety car in this lap button, and then someone presses the track clear button on the timing. So. The order might not be exactly how you'd expect, sort of thing. Um, but hmm. the, th- it like, does the thing is, almost like- looked like there was. Time. I think part of the problem is he's, he's just got he's got two bloody team principals in his ear screaming at him the and entire time. So, so, he can't so this get a is word it. In if, if they had followed the norm procedure and let all the unlap, let the lap cars through, they'd have run out of time. Would have finished in the safety car. It would have been a bit of a mere ending to a very good championship. Had they committed... Which would have been fine. Had they committed early on and let them all through, like Tom's suggesting, and had a proper restart, Verstappen would probably have overtaken Hamilton and won the championship, and we'd all be here going, wow, isn't that bloody unlucky for Hamilton, but that's just the way it happens sometimes. Yep. Yeah. And instead, we're sat here in this sat in horrible middle. middle ground that feels... Yep manipulated and let's not forget in a lot of countries 
there were deals put in place to put this race on free-to-air TV. So I would wager this is probably one of the most watched races in the history of the sport. The the number of people that I know that were watching it before before all this kicked, like, you know what I mean? Like, people people messaging me Sunday morning. I mean, my phone is genuinely... I don't think ever been as busy as it was Sunday morning. Yeah, and like because people um, are like, "Oh, yeah. I know Tom does that podcast. I'm going to tell him I'm watching Formula One today." Like, and cool. what show have you given them. those people? <laughs> You've given them what yeah. looks on paper, like, like uh, WWE is what you've given them. Yeah, it, it's to, to a an <laughs> uneducated fan now. in what is a very complicated sport. It looks like the most manipulated race finish in the history of the world, and I, yeah. I'm not buying into the argument that it was manipulated because the FYI had some like agenda for Verstappen to win. I, I don't believe no, 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 for a second. No, 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 no. I don't believe that they an, at all. They just like, had an agenda for it to finish on yeah, track, but I can not behind the safety car. a brand new viewer for thinking that because that's what it looks like if you don't really understand yeah. the sport. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, so, it's, it's a mess. It's an absolute to, mess. To break away, to break away from it for a second from the um, Hamilton and Verstappen sort of, yeah. ramifications of this um there are other many other winners and losers throughout this entire situation so yeah. if you look at like the order of the field at that point so before the cars were released you've got um hamilton obviously in the lead and then behind him you've got five lapped cars norris who's on fresh tires who's right at the head of that lapped field Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you look, if you think of it as two fields, mm-hmm. so if you allow those cars to unlap themselves and reach the back of the crocodile, Norris is in one, two, three, four, five, sixth place, sixth, seventh place. Sorry, on fresher tires than all the cars ahead of him at that point. He would have been a real fact. He could have been a factor for a podium, Norris. Yeah. In, the, in that situation, if they're racing for a whole lap and he's on fresh tires, um. Behind him, you got Alonso, Ocon, Leclerc. Fairly, uh, not not too much going on there. Behind Verstappen, you've got Ricardo and Stroll who uh, lap traffic, and then you've got Sainz behind him who has essentially lost the opportunity to fight for second. Maybe even the win. Sainz yeah. could have won that race. Sainz could totally have won yeah. that race in, in that situation, and that's kind of, that for me is like the most obnoxious thing mm-hmm. about it because. Verstappen's been put in a situation where he doesn't really have to worry about anything that's going on behind him. He can yeah. only he can just focus entirely on what's going on in front that's, of him. That's the bogus bit of it. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing that's totes bogus. Which like, that is, it just like shoots that's down not the racing. Arg- no, it's like the argument is like, oh well, we just wanted to get them out of the way so like they could race. Like, well, what about Sainz's chance of getting second or first? Yeah. Where was his get them out of the way to race? What about Snowder could have been on the podium? Where was yep, getting Snowder the where off. was getting the cars out of Snowder's way so he can. You know, you, you yeah. can make the argument for cars all the way down the grid. Yep. Yeah, Bottas behind Science has lost the opportunity to help with his teammate just in the same way mm-hmm. Perez was used to help his teammate. Um, you've got Schumacher in between Bottas and Sonoda who just disappears. <laughs> 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 like nothing really happened there. Um, and then Sonoda and Gasly, obviously, you know, if they're further up, the, if uh, they've got, if they don't have Schumacher behind them, could Sonoda have caught up to Science and got and got third place and got himself a podium mm. there. There's like all these ramifications yeah. under a safety car that late in the race that it's really wide open at that point. And, you know, there's a mix of tyres going on there. There's all kinds of, like, different different strategies that have played out over the race. 
and everyone's in slightly different positions and you could have had a really mixed up podium in the end th- if it, if the procedure had just been followed properly yeah. but instead instead we're here i think f1 well f1 slash fyi are lucky that no constructor championship positions changed as a result of that because yeah. i think if they yeah, did it would be a lot more than mercedes kicking up a stink about this they'd have a few more process yeah yeah I mean, um, as it is okay, affected so... the driver standings quite significantly in in some well, battles yeah. but obviously that doesn't pay up <laughs> the, the prize the money, lead, does it? the, the well, lead battle <laughs> yeah but, but even behind that's the thing it's like it's easier only focus even behind two, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 um so another question, um, do you think Hamilton had done enough throughout the race to have deserved the win if it had stayed behind the safety car? Yes. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Do you think Vettel, uh, Verstappen sorry, was handed an easy win? Um, yes. By the situation? Yeah, yeah probably. And I, okay, I, I don't is, think very simple question. I don't think there's many drive with with the, that tire difference. I don't think there's many drivers on that grid who wouldn't have overtaken Hamilton. Honestly, on yeah, that that's lap. it. I mean, if yeah. you know, if science, even if science pits and you know, maybe and, Verstappen and Hamilton don't, then absolutely science is potentially on for a win there. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah and it's like we've said, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, and to really briefly go back to like the point we're making before, this is another massive problem with this because. The, well, like obviously, there's the protest that we'll probably talk about next. But whatever happens, it devalues the championship. Mm-hmm. Like Verstappen's first title is forever going to have this asterisk next to it of like, oh, yeah. but he only won it because blah blah blah. And if this yeah. by if this ends up getting overturned in the courts, Hamilton only won this title because blah blah blah. And it's just yeah, neither driver deserves this yeah. to be hanging over their world championship. Yeah, that's true. Could not agree more. I, I mean, think- if it plays we- out if it plays out as the reports have suggested today, Hamilton doesn't want the team to pursue it. No. And- Which is, I mean, Ham- Hamilton throughout all of this has been as magnanimous as I think I expected him to be, which is like, he's he's accepted the fact that it's, not fallen his way like i mean nobody's saying he's not good about it but he has the humility to look at that situation and go look it's it is what it is like that's it that safety car was a freak incident towards the end of the race and it's compromised the race i was running it would have been very easy for him to like get out of the car and just walk his motor home and not be seen the rest of the weekend and i think the fact that he still congratulated max he did the interviews he yeah. got you know he even sprayed a bit of champagne on the podium and did all the things like and you know his dad yeah. still went and congratulated max and yeah. and joss like they i, I think yeah. i think we all know that's the kind of people they are anyway but the degree to which they did that even then still surprised me and i think that speaks a yeah. lot to their characters yeah. considering it, the it, scenario yeah. that i think they've behaved yeah <laughs> very civilly no, nothing else to add to that. I, I absolutely agree with all of it. But I'm about to sound... Well, if we had one, I'd love to sound the unpopular opinion, Jackson. <laughs> mm-hmm. We need to get one of those. Go on. We need a listener to invent one of those for us. I think Mercedes are absolutely right to pursue this to the nth degree. Ooh, I knew this was coming. And do you want to know why? Go on. It's got nothing to do with the Drivers' Championship. It's for the good of the sport. 
because yeah. something has got to give. We we cannot have a situation where the rules are so ambiguous and where you've got one person making such ad hoc decisions that that this can be allowed to happen. Like something's got to mm. give. And I think the only way that happens is if this ends up eventually in the it's a bad look, but I think the only way it happens is if this ends up in the in the top court. It's, because if it the FIA are never going to punish themselves over this. It's difficult, isn't it? Because I I completely agree with you on all of that. However, the thi- by doing that, the thing at the core of it is: do we take Max Verstappen's first world championship away from him? And he does not deserve that. He but, and Red- Max here's, and Red Bull did. I think that should absolutely nothing think, wrong. No, but but, but I don't think it'll be overturned. I don't think it'll ever be overturned. Yeah, I don't I, think it would be overturned. This is the thing: you don't have to overturn the result to say that the following rules need to be changed and yeah. enforced in a in a stricter manner because these i mean like there's there's a lot of reference to the to the rule like mercedes themselves of that if you are letting lapped cars through the the art, the point in the article says that race um racing will resume on the following lap that is the wording of it that was part of Mercedes' original dispute. But there is also other sections within the same articles that basically say the race director can reactivate the race do what he wants. at his choosing. This is so if if he if he feels the circuit is safe to race, he can overturn that. And there's there's not technically a rule broken. That's the kind of crappy loophole that needs sorting. It needs to be hard and fast, like if he's letting those cars go, it has to be the start of the next lap. No, yeah, no quarter given. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it also it should be that if a decision has been made, then that de- decision cannot then be overturned and within a period of yeah, and that ten like, laps. The, the whole the whole scenario of no, we're not having any overtakes, uh, unlapping of the lapped cars, and then suddenly changing your mind like four minutes later. And also the lobbying, like that yeah. needs to yeah, change. Yeah, that's got to go as well. To, yeah. Like literally this, this during the off season, that immediately has to be switched over. That needs to be a one-way radio where race control talk to the team and say, this yeah. is what's happening. You have an opportunity. We will talk to you and you can respond to us, but you cannot approach us. You yeah. can't come to us and say what you think about a situation. If it, we need to speak to you, we will. Yeah, exactly. If If race direction open a line of communication with a team to say mm-hmm. this is a scenario um, can you just like, explain can, this yeah, yeah can you elaborate for example the team can then obviously respond but the team can't just go to them <laughs> demanding things in the chat Sarah's just put Toto and Horn a mute button <laughs> yeah basically 100, yeah. 100% needed uh, but I think I think this is the thing like do you know what the the thing that's given me the most sort of hope for the F one community out of all of this is, although people are disagreeing about the the way the situation played out, there's a there's a nice majority I like to think from what I've seen. I mean, it could just be the way that I've filtered my Twitter history in the past, but that I feel like there's a there's a nice majority that basically. They're not even pissed off that it's Max that's champion. 
or no. that it's not Lewis or whatever, they're pissed off that their sport has been brought into disrepute mm. by the way it's been managed. Yeah. And yeah. The, the vast the vast majority of people that I have seen have been, even as a Lewis fan, I'm ha- like I'm I applaud Max for winning a title. Yeah. I'm just That's not exactly happy about it. Mm. And then on the flip side, I've seen so many comments from people like saying I'm Dutch or I'm a Max fan or whatever. And as much as I'm ecstatic that Max has won this title, I don't think it was really fair the way that he was given that situation. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is, it is that it's the way that it's all played out. And I will, I will sort of go to my grave banging the drum of they should have always been trying to get racing. restarted towards the end of that race, but the way they did it was diabolical. Yeah. Exactly, and there comes a point where there also comes a point where sometimes you, just, if you're not going to get racing started again, you need to accept that. Yes, sometimes yeah, that's just that the way well. it is. Which yeah. it, which you almost felt he had. There was the point where he says lapped cars won't overtake. Yeah. You essentially think right, okay, so that's that's Michael Massey accepting we can't get a proper racing lap out of this, so we're not going to finish behind the safety car, but. There's not going to be a race to the end because the lap cars are, are basically staying in the way to kind of prevent that and stop any any like issue with that. And had he gone through with that, I don't think anyone would have a problem. I mean, yeah, fair enough. Diehard Max fans would have been a bit upset about it all in the same way that, you know, Diehard Lewis fans are upset the other yeah. way. Like, There's always going to be somebody that's not happy with the decision, but the vast majority of people who sort of aren't all eggs in one basket with a single driver or team or whatever and like can can look at it with a bit of perspective would all probably agree that's played out fair enough like that's yeah. the situation because so, i like, have another simple question for you really. just quick just quickly like without, on, Chris, without opening a whole other can of worms another like version of it that we haven't even discussed that i've seen people suggest is like if he's so hell-bent on we will finish under racing laps red flag it Red flag it. Yeah. Everyone yeah, yeah. can use the rule that we hate and change to fresh tires, and we'll have yeah. a proper race for the last lap or two. Like, I mean, yeah. that's that's the ultimate solution. That's motor isn't race. It? Well, that's motor racing. To quote Michael Massey, <laughs> "We'll have a mo- then we'll have a motor race. That's a motor race, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Yet another option he had open to him that he chose to ignore to pick. I mean, whatever it was he picked. He loved throwing a red flag the week before to make sure the racing continued. Couldn't well, get that's enough because uninterfered. That's, that, that's because it interfered. That that's because it it fitted the narrative of both. It, well, I'm not even. Gonna, no, yeah, not, you know it's... what? I can't. I can't. I can't even say it. I think. I think that 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 fitted his agenda. Whatever his agenda was, it fitted. That fitted it at that point. We descend. I don't want to descend this into silliness now because we've been really, really sensible about it so far. Um, that's enough massy bashing. Quick, Move on. Yeah. Quick. Quick. Silly question. <laughs> If this is any other race of the season, does this car, does this race finish under the safety car? That's another good question, isn't it? Like, well, and, yeah, that, and that's I, and it. I think it, I think it does. I think it absolutely yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look at the <laughs> <Yeah>. chat. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? Um, can we quickly talk about the protest before we sort of move on? Because now we've gone very yes. long. So obviously there were two protests. One was a to do with Max under uh, overtaking under the safety car. I don't even think we need to give that much oxygen because it, no, it, it was a non-event. I'm not interested. It non-event. was nothing. Yeah, yeah, Completely right to throw it out. Second one was obviously against the final classification because of what happened. Both rejected by the stewards. Um, 
we won't I won't want to go into the full reasoning that the stewards came up with why they rejected it. It's all out there if you want to read it. But there's one part of it that I do want to flag. So they mentioned in the in the reasons why they rejected the protest at Article 15.3 of the sporting regulations, which says the clerk of the course shall work in permanent consultation with the race director. The race director shall have overriding authority in the following matters and the clerk of the course may give orders in respect of them only with his express agreement. So the important bit being race directors shall have overriding authority in the following matters. And one of those matters is the use of the safety car. So in order to... Um, and there's, there's a list of various other things, basically most things to do with the way um, racing happens. The race director has overriding authority. The stewards have used that to basically say, yeah, but according to Article 15.3, the race director can just change the rules as he sees fit. And like, what precedent does that set? Like, does that also mean he can just like throw a safety car wants. if he gets bored? Like, oh, this race is boring. <laughs> I'll, I'll end it ten laps earlier. Oh, this is That'll fun. Be, I'll stick a few more laps on. That would be absolutely brilliant like, if, like, next season he comes out going, "You thought last season was bad." Yeah. Boom, safety yeah. car. Like, just I, having it. For it's, it's reality TV. Reality I saw TV, someone else it? say, like, does that mean uh, next race he can turn the lights off after three lights and not five? And it's like, oh, yeah. th- these are all obviously ridiculous examples but somewhere between what happened yesterday and those stupid examples according to the stewards is the line where he's allowed to just yeah do whatever he wants but this, this is a that's a stupid gray mental. area that is the exact Absolutely stupid mental. gray area i was talking about before where the the this is the problem with that formula one rule book is People can go and quote rules out of that rule book till they're blue in the damn face there's another rule at the other end of the rule book that basically Says the craps, opposite. Craps yeah, yeah, all yeah. over it. Like, there's always one. There is always one. And even if it is just something as broad and stupid as, yeah, but race director can kind of do what he wants. Like, <laughs> that's, it's, it's just mad. It is absolutely mad. A lot about the rule so, book needs a massive overhaul. Yeah, it definitely needs a, a, a once over, maybe a twice over. Um, so, both those, uh, both those, uh, I've lost my ability to speak. <laughs> it's been a long evening. Both, yeah, it has. Both of those um, uh, protests were thrown out by the stewards in the end, and uh, we're now in a situation where Mercedes um, have lodged their intention to appeal. They've got 96 hours, so we record on a Monday. By, I think, Thursday, they need to have um, said yes or no whether they're going to do it. And... Um, which is slightly awkward yeah, because Thursday is also on. the FIA prize giving where uh, yeah. Max gets his yeah. trophy. But, you know, yeah. Yeah, he'll get his trophy. I mean, they can take it off him, but I'd rather they didn't. No. Um, just a quick thing as well. I've seen a lot of mention online of um, it going to the uh, Court of Arbitration for Sport. The CAS does not uh, deal with any motorsport. There are, it deals huh. with most other sports. There's like a handful of sports that have basically their own. Um, governing body in their own courts the FIA being one of them there are the FIA courts so anything to do with motorsport goes to the FIA courts not the CIS mm. um, who, I think the NBA is on one the, of the jury who would be on the jury in the FIA court would it be interesting thing I learned FIA today would it be um, members of other forms of motorsport is it not I think so the um, 
I think it's three judges on the FIA court and one or two of them, the teams, the, the parties involved in the dispute get to influence who the judges are, which is like <laughs> the most FIA thing it you've is, ever heard, isn't it's, it? it? Like, it's, what? It's the, well, specifically, it's the most F1 thing I've ever heard. Yeah, they get life. to like suggest some of the judges or like have votes on who the judges are or something wild like that. Um, my Insane. my instinct is that Mercedes will, in the cold light of day in the next couple of days, um, pull back on this. But calm down. <laughs> yeah, and like it, uh, there have been reports, as we said earlier, that Lewis Hamilton has been sort of saying, "I don't want this. Like, I don't want to win a championship this way. Let's just mm. leave." It. But that's all kind of hearsay, and I guess. I guess we'll see what happens. We'll probably find out about an hour after we release this podcast, as is the norm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, probably. Once it's, oh, once it's be... too late for us to do anything different yeah. about it. We, we, yeah, it'll come out tomorrow, whenever, and yeah. It'll, <laughs> I'll have literally just press save and upload, and then they'll yeah. publish a report on it. Um, so <laughs> we need to pick. We need to do the obligatories. Um, driver of the day. Carlos Sainz. Enjoy. I'm not giving either of them two. <laughs> it's definitely not any of the top two. I don't think. Oh, well, I, I could make an argument. No, I don't for, know. You can make an argument for Hamilton, for sure. I think you can make an argument for Hamilton. I do think Carlos Sainz is a very good shout. I also think Yuki Sonoda is a very good shout. Yeah, was, oh, actually, say, oh, yeah. Fair, I was going to say Yuki. Fair. Kind of want to. Yuki Sonoda. Kind of want to give it to Yuki. Um, yeah, I'm swayed. I'm, I'm happy with that. That'll do me. Boom. Yuki, do I have Easy. to write this in? Because I'm hoping no, yeah, I yeah. want it. No, you have to write it. Okay. <laughs> um, move of the day. Oh God. Perez defending and repassing Hamilton. Yeah, that was that whole run of like actually that whole run of racing was excellent, and it had my heart in my mouth. Did you see? Have you seen Gasly's dive bomb on Bottas on the final lap? No, I, I didn't. Oh, there was a video in the Discord earlier. Um, ah, there it is. It is a dive bomb from absolutely nowhere the fact that he's pulled it off and finished ahead of him means i don't know if i even need to see it <laughs> <laughs> mm. both avataris finished ahead of bottas didn't they yeah so. yeah so that video shows not only the gasly dive bomb and bottas but also then sonoda frantically defending from gasly for the last half a lap whoa <laughs> <laughs> i mean there see that can i point out that is how I know the Max, what you're and, say. Max and Lewis incident should have played out on lap one. Do you know it's how there's still a car width on his right hand side? <laughs> yep, that's yeah. what that's what I'm getting at. Like, oh, okay, like Bottas hasn't felt the need to dip out of that, and he's also not taken oh, an advantage wow. and gone, oh, well, I'm Goodness. being squeezed off. Do you know what I mean like that's how that the the that is how that other move on lap one should have played out? Yeah, hundred percent. Gasly and Sonoda as well. Yeah, Dude. yeah, okay, yeah. Properly I could... scrapping. Sorry, just to point out, that move is Yuki on Bottas, not Gasly. Sorry, Yuki, Yuki on, on Bottas. Yeah, that, that move in that video, that's Yuki Tsunoda. Did I say Gasly? Chris originally said it was Gasly. Well, that all that's academic because I'm going to vote for Perez. I'm kind of going to vote for <laughs> Perez as well, yeah. <laughs> all right, I'll let you what? have Perez. That was good, You want though. Perez? 
Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll take that it. That was good. But yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. If you can find that on the internet, that's well worth a watch. Um, and then there's a... I mean, WTF is just so obvious, isn't it? This, I mean, how could it be anything other than Michael Massey only letting five cars through and breaking the his own rules? I mean, you're so desperate I, to I, give it to him, you didn't even let me push the button. Yeah, let, let's Seb have oh, his moment. Go on then. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Seb, 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 overtaker of the season, needs his moment in this podcast. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? I mean, WTF for me is still not letting me push that button. <laughs> yeah, big time. That's WTF of the year, maybe, actually, because that's one of my favourite clips that we do. Uh, yeah, it. what else could it be? You know? I'm just thinking of other things that were stressed over the weekend. Someone said um, Mercedes preemptively taking a barrister to the race with them. But then again, <laughs> that proved to be necessary. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think that was such a WTF call. I think that was a legit call. Uh, ge- they went in there knowing knowing that there was going to be shenanigans. I think it takes a lot for a team to to do that. I think it takes a big lack of faith in the in the powers of the sport that that a leading team feels the need to take a bloody lawyer with them <laughs> to to make sure things are kept on the straight and narrow. And this is this is it, isn't it? The like faith in the faith in the people running the sport is at an all time low from the teams and the viewers. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly why. Um, other well, w- maybe that maybe that's the WTF. Yeah, I, there was something else. I was, oh, that's the other one I was going to mention. It's the final race of the season, and we didn't see a single donut on TV and we didn't hear a single cool down lap like goodbye message or thanks for the year message like I mean, they're all, they're all available now on the internet but yeah yeah I guess a, there was a lot, lot of those happened on. in the middle of the race though cuz three of the three of the drivers leaving their teams DNF'd yeah which is a shame actually that's true <laughs> yeah. so there was an element of that during happening during the race but we're uh, dancing around the yeah. fact that it is absolutely just Michael Massey making up the rules as he goes along. It yeah. It's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And you know what? Like The last thing I'll say about it is there was a period yesterday where I did not like this sport anymore. I didn't. But I, I, like, when, I, when I'd finished and I got home and everything was done, I, I went to bed thinking, I don't, I'm not a Formula 1 fan anymore. I honestly did. F1. That's that's a massive WTF. Yeah. F one as a sport shot itself in the foot this race. Yeah, yeah. Like there's, it just made itself look stupid. And for the sport that, like you know, we all love this sport enough to sit down once a week and talk about it and put it on the internet. Like it's just really disheartening, and it's a shame because it's. Although this has been such a wild example of it, like it's been a season of this sort of thing, and yeah, I just desperately hope, as a sport, it F one takes a look in the mirror we, we, and makes some changes because they're much we're literally needed. we are literally at a point where we could do an entire episode on times that race control have cocked things up this, mm-hmm. this yeah um, easily this this season. So yeah, I mean, something has got to give at some point um but that's wtf that's the bulk of the episode done with shall we do yeah. the other obligatories yeah let's the um, predictions let's, Who let's wants to take that predictions um sadly not a good weekend for you Stu. specifically no. however you do win overall amongst the three of us finished third actually overall as well 
Yeah, so, well, I mean, it's it's a hollow victory when I was so close to first. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, uh, an interesting weekend. Uh, nobody got the number of finishes right. Everyone was expecting higher. Um, so our highest scorer overall was uh, Charlotte Taylor, scoring four points, getting everything other than the number of finishes. Um, a shout out for um, Becky Mecklenburg and Matthew McPearson, who both were closest by saying 15 finishes, getting a half point there. Um, and then overall, the standings that matter, the thing that everyone's really here for, Nate Everett is our overall season champion on 38 points. Woo. Very closely followed by Charlie Ray on 37 Congratulations, well done, guys. So, well done. Congratulations. And then, Stu, as we say, you were overall outright third as well. Do I points. get a T-shirt or something for that? No, you don't get anything. I'll, do I get a, t- a T-shirt for winning the host? I'll buy you a pint uh, if you're lucky. I mean, if I if Woo! I can, if I can have something for the times I won it, yes, you can have something I, for the time that yeah, you've won sure. it. <laughs> I mean, we've got, the, got, the, got a bit more budget these days. I will so. say, <laughs> I will say credit's, credit where it's due, you were so far behind at one point, Tom, and the fact that you've come back and beaten <laughs> me is... It's it, it's impressive. Hats off. Kimi Raikkonen first DNF finally yes, worked. Yes, you finally got it. <laughs> and ironically, is there that's a way the of one like, thing I got a point for this week. Is there a way of like plotting a graph for the entire... Look at Tom's face when I said that then. He, he was like, a, I can't believe you've done this. I mean, there is. Annoyingly, the data Will does I do exist. it? No. <laughs> I mean, well, well, I won't do it. No, I'll give you the data to do it, but I won't do it. <laughs> So, but yeah, it, it is possible. Um, I'll I'll see if I can like stick it in some kind of chat. I've got the data. I'll see what I can do. Okay. Give me something to do over the okay. off season, other than rebrand the whole thing <laughs> too. You, yeah, you've got you've got enough to do. <laughs> I've got okay, enough jobs in the um, department. <laughs> um, shall we move on to the inbox? Let's. Is keep it safe now. Stay, stay out. Hey man. And Chris is going to start us off. Oh, am I? Uh, the spare K from Mika Hakkinen's name asks, uh, with all the chaos between the top two, it's easy to overlook the retirement of a Trefron great, the man who might well have ditched the car halfway through the race to get the party started early. <laughs> so I'd like hmm. to know uh, some of your favourite Kimi memories from over the years. Um, and Jose also asked, what's her favourite Kimi moment from his 20-year career? 2007 hmm. championship win excluded. So you know steering wheel steering wheel <laughs> tell the bloke the bloke the bloke with the steering wheel that's my favourite memory of Kimmy's <laughs> it was I mean important. it is a good one um, I, I don't know probably Martin Brundle saying oh you went around for Michael Schumacher's <laughs> celebration he was yeah I was taking a <laughs> 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 that's a good one um I'm gonna. Oh, I'm gonna say. So I didn't appreciate it at the time because, for whatever reason, I was a Giancarlo Fisichella fan. Read into that what you will. However, you have the weirdest I know, taste. I know. <laughs> but when Kimi Even Giancarlo Fisichella wasn't a Giancarlo Fisichella fan. <laughs> but at the time, I was really annoyed by it. But in hindsight, when Kimi won the 2005 Japanese Grand Prix from I think he was 17th on the grid, yeah, past Fisichella on the last lap, that was. Yeah, Kimmy's like although he won his championship at Ferrari in two thousand seven, Kimmy's years at McLaren, he was like 
unbelievably good. It's yeah. kind of criminal he didn't get a championship at McLaren. It, something that's like completely like off his actual racing as well. But it is one of my favourite things that I sometimes, sadly, do go rewatch because I'm that boring. There's, there's a, the thing that him and Seb did together while they were at Ferrari... And it's like a, um, it involves quite a few of the Sky Sports presenters, and it's like a, a quiz about Ferrari, Formula One, and themselves as drivers. And it's just comedy gold. Like him and Seb <laughs> together in that scenario yeah. is just absolute gold. And there's also a bit where um, David Croft has a picture of Kimi, what he thinks is Kimi Raikkonen's brother, and he's like, no, that's, that's me. And he's like, no, he's not Kimi, it's your brother. He's like, uh, no, it's me. Oh, it might, it might be the other way around. I can't remember which way around it is, but it, essentially just Kimi Raikkonen saying, no, you don't know about my family pictures. <laughs> that is what I'm telling you it is. And just like putting David Croft in his place. And it's comedy it's comedy gold. It's brilliant. That's a very David Croft thing to do, isn't it? To argue. That's, yeah. Yeah, it's, so this is, isn't a picture of you. I know best. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, another favourite memory of Kimi um, is just anytime him and Giovinazzi are in a car together and Kimi's driving. <laughs> and seeing Antonio Giovinazzi just absolutely crap himself <laughs> yeah. at, at how... It, but he's just not a good passenger. Obviously, a racing driver, he knows where the braking lines are, but he... Breaking, breaking points and racing lines are, but he just doesn't have the faith in Kimi. That is a very good one. <laughs> to hit them. Um, so I enjoy that as well. Yeah. I think, um, if I, I think just quickly as well, if I picked a racing one, it would, it'd be the, the two seasons where he... He won the closer and the opener back to back. Yeah, because he won Abu Dhabi that year in the Lotus, and then he went and won in Melbourne the following year. Um, that was that was a nice sort of. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. When nice he had to um, in his career. give up his that, bonus at Lotus, so he didn't put them out of business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that yeah. Abu Dhabi race as well. I think if I remember right, is the infamous "Leave me alone." I know what I'm doing. Yeah, oh, I know what to do. Really enjoyed yeah. the um, the message on the side of the Alfa Romeo this weekend yeah, as well. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was good. Very cool. That was very did good. you see the okay. thing they did for Bottas at the end of the race as well? The, yeah. mes- the, me- the message on his dash. Yeah, they were like, oh, yeah. put like dial it, seven it position strat, four. It was strat, strat mode one um, position 77, I think it was, because his number is Yeah, yeah, and put a little goodbye message on the dashboard. That's That's yeah. cool. That's yeah, really cool. very cool. You can watch, we've just done a radio of that and when you go away and find it, whenever it's released, it'll be on social somewhere. Um, you can see the, the lengths he has to go to, the <laughs> buttons he has to push to get to that <laughs> is, is kind of funny because they have the like the tens and then the hundreds. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> you know, the way the limited number of buttons for navigation on those things work is really, really really interesting um next one before this becomes the Kimi Raikkonen memories podcast <laughs> um James T says trying to avoid controversy with this question um given that science came out on top as best of the rest in inverted commas if Ferrari have a championship contending car next year how would you feel how would you expect them to manage a title fight given they potentially have the two closest match drivers on the grid Hmm. I think McLaren would have something to say about that as well in terms of closely matched drivers. I mean, we're not necessarily mm. seeing it at all times this mm. year, but I would say once they're both settled with a new car. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, it's a whole new whole new ball game next year. They could mm-hmm. be in with a chance of a championship next year. It's a, you know, 
it's a total reset pretty much other than the engines and all the engines are more or less in within parity these days yeah. i think yeah um hmm. without getting too far ahead of themselves though i do think ferrari are gonna be right up there next season and i do yeah. think they're gonna have a problem on their hands with those two drivers yeah yeah I mean, I'd science agree. finished ahead. Oh, I think I said this. I think this is one of my big predictions. I said science yeah. will finish ahead of Leclerc in the championship. And we'll we'll go through them in the season review episode, but I'm pretty sure that was one of yours. Yeah, I think you've got a, got a good yeah. one there. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay, let's do the next one. Yeah, uh, Thomas Hardesty says, uh, if next year is a disappointment for Vettel and Alonso, do you see either of them sticking around for much longer? Uh, Brundle also predicted that Lewis has two years left at least could Gasly sit tight for that long and hope to replace him when he chooses to retire hmm. well I mean on the Lewis two years thing he signed a contract for two years didn't he earlier this year yeah so yeah we, that, that so we know uh, he's got at least two yeah, years like as long as the contract's honored then he's here for another two years I think a lot of that depends on what happens with Russell yeah um I, I think if anyone is going to have the eye in that seat initially. It's probably going to be Ocon, because Ocon's still linked to that Mercedes program. Yeah. Isn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. So I'd think of the two Frenchmen, Ocon more likely to get it than Gasly would be. Although, well, I can see why, why Gasly would at least try. I think any team with a spare seat in the next few years, Gasly's going to be right up near the top of your shopping yeah. list, isn't he? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Um, um, as for Vettel and Alonso, yeah, I, th- I, I think if, for both of them, I think if those teams aren't showing signs of being further forward, they might not have more than a year or two in them. Yeah, it's like they both, I mean, in the wind downs, they both said all the right things that hinted at exactly that, basically, of, you know, we've had, we've had an okay year. I mean, Alonso definitely more positive, but... Like Vettel said, like thanks for giving me a new home. Let's come back stronger next year. That kind of thing. Alonso yeah. obviously said, like this is you know we've got the most out of what we've had every weekend. It's just the beginning. Good, yeah, like this is the beginning. Let's come back next year. So I mean they're saying the right things, but like you say, if if they're both stuck mid table in the new in the new era, they're probably not like they've got lives to get on with haven't they yeah. like, well, it depends, they, how, much they, they, it depends they, how much they like driving the cars like Raikkonen's yeah. been around for ages because he loves the driving yeah. but the thing that's eventually tipped him over the edge of quitting is probably the relentless media schedule that you end up with yeah. as a Formula 1 driver so I don't think it's necessarily as much as as much of them not enjoying the cars if, if you you could drive any Formula 1 car and have, you could drive the Haas and have a brilliant time it's the it's a, it's everything that comes with Thorm- Formula One that tends yeah, to yeah. grind people down, isn't it? So it's how long they can cope with all that sort of stuff yeah. when they're sort of not necessarily winning. Is that's the real key to that's it? That's it, isn't it? When you win races, it's easier to put up with all of that other gumph. But when you're like scrapping for tenth every weekend, like I mean, yeah. Max Verstappen was winning races this year and still got sick of it all. Yeah, but can you blame like, him? Like, he had that little outburst, didn't he? Because, um, I mean, no, you, you can't blame him because they ask stupid, well, repetitive pressure, questions. Though. That's pressure. It's yeah. a, I think it's a combination. Like, yeah, it's pressure of the situation he was in, but there is some idiotic questions oh, yeah. that get asked on repeat. Like, Always, And you yeah. will 100% get sick of hearing them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm sure they get sick of asking them, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I don't uh, think so. <laughs> next one. Next, Aaron Griffiths. Uh, after a year of ups and downs, Yuki picked up P4 in the finale, capitalizing on some poor luck from drivers around him. Given that he has the ride based on his connections to Honda and the lineup of Red Bull drivers in front of him, where do you see his future going now that we have a year of results at the top level? He's clearly a talented driver, but hasn't quite made the same impact that drivers such as Gasly, Russell and Leclerc made in their debut seasons. Um, I think he's got a little bit stronger towards the end of the season, though. Mm-hmm. And if he can build on that fourth place this this year now, if he can build on that uh, and take it into the you know the new season and and stay on par with Gasly, that's an achievement in itself. Yeah, because we all know what Gasly's capable of. Um, so I think if he can stay in touching distance of Gasly. That's enough for Alpha Tower to potentially want to renew him with or without any Honda connections. Because yeah. that, yes, fair enough, that is part of the reason that he got there. But he was also a very good driver in Formula Two. That's, is, you know, I think it's not just this, because he's connected to Honda engines. No, I think this race was a bit of a redeemer for him. I yeah. think up to up to this point, he's not really shown his. His 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 best. He's been very unreliable in races. He's been difficult to have in your fantasy team. (laughs) The the few the one or two times that I have had him in my fantasy team, he's let me down massively, um, which maybe makes me biased. But um, I've I've not seen from him maybe the quality that I might have expected from the get go. Yeah, Um, he's been a bit more of a slow burner, and I think. It's definitely worth another season. I think his key is is he's good. He's got to have a good season next he year. He does, yeah, because he's he's That's not it. been good enough. No. He hasn't been good enough this season. And when you've him. got like Yuri Vips, Liam Lawson, uh, exactly, Gehan Deruvela, Jack Crawford, like the, there's a queue of Red Bull drivers. Yeah, yeah. Again, once again, there's a queue of they've uh, they've restored the deficit of drivers. <laughs> yeah. They really have. They burned through them all quite quickly, but now they've sort of built up the stocks yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, big time. Um, should we do the next one? Yep. Yeah. Um, Connor Hogg says, new fan here. Um, since the beginning of Drive to Survive, I've barely missed a race. I'm a Leclerc fan, but I'm absolutely dumbfounded on how this season ended. Since I started watching, I've never understood the safety car. I don't understand why the leader loses their gap to the field. Safety cars make all prior running completely pointless. It seems like an incredible injustice for Hamilton to lose his giant lead with five laps to go because of back marker crashed. Why can't the VSC always be applied? There's a simple answer to this. Yeah, so essentially, so when you call a VSC, it keeps everybody at the same gap. That's kind of the whole point of it. Yeah, That's no good if you need to get marshals on the track or a tractor on the track, things like that. A full safety car means you've got all the cars in basically one place on the circuit. So it's much, much safer to then send marshals onto the track, send a tractor out to pick something up, things like that. It's purely a safety thing. Yeah. yeah, And, and they will always try and use a virtual safety car in situations where they don't need any of that. Yes. As yeah. was so with the Giovinazzi incident, like he was fairly close to an escape point. Um, it needed one or two marshals to wheel him back, but it, there was essentially a gap in place for them to be able to do it with the cars running at a reduced speed, which is why we use it. But yeah, I think I can't explain the actual safety car itself, I guess, any better than Chris for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And the next one? 
Uh, yep. Uh, last one for this week, I think, as well. Uh, Body coat Cody Boat says, <laughs> when people look back in 10 years, what do you think um, are the moments that will have defined this championship? For example, in 2008, it's always that, is Glock really slowing down? Uh, and for 2018, it's Seb crashing out in Germany. Uh, what about this particular season? It's a good season? one. It's the last, I think it's the final, ra- the final lap of the final race of the season. Uh, so yeah, right, um, yeah. I think, I think other than, I think it's other than that, it. yeah, I think they will, they will definitely be, people won't forget things like the coming together at Silverstone and the coming together yeah. at Monza. Imola. They'll, they'll, Monza, sorry, yeah. uh, they'll always be at the forefront of it, I think. As I say, I think Cops is going to be like the lasting, like dramatic image because, I think that was like a real turning point in the season as well. Like that was very much a, the way things have gone up until now isn't going to stand for the rest of the season. This is how racing is going to be. So mm. I think as as a sort of dramatic image that sums up like the story of the season, I think that's definitely up there. And I think like Hamilton yeah. running into the back of a Stappen in Saudi Arabia is probably going to be a sort of remembered image as well. Yeah. Not necessarily for the right reasons, but it's you know it's a striking image kind of thing. I guess the question yeah. is how many of those end up in the um, the intro to next season's yeah, Formula next One season. coverage? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because whichever ones do are the last in ones. <laughs> yeah, they're giving us a few more action zones, haven't they, this year? So <laughs> it's going to be exciting. It's going to make an easy job for the editor next year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've answered that. I think that's so. That's. That's basically it, guys. That's it for this yeah. week. Uh, I mean, that's it for the season. We should like say before we wrap up, because it's, it's it's easy to forget in all of this that's gone on. We do have a brand new world champion, and we should like yeah, not not only take our hats off to Verstappen and congratulate him on that, but like likewise to Hamilton for giving us what will go down as one of the greatest seasons of F one there's ever been yeah yeah controversy aside we've got to remember that they came into this final race absolutely tied yeah there was nothing separate i didn't know that (laughs) like to have a 20 odd race season with that you know with it coming down to that is yeah insane isn't it after to be tied on points after 21 races is absolutely mental well like, 20, I, I, 20 races and spa <laughs> yeah yeah oh goodness don't even mention it trying to end on a positive um yeah they've given us a season that we'll never forget uh, it's been just topsy-turvy all kinds of crazy crazy action um it feels like that i feel like i need to out like we need like some sort of something extra special to outro one but unfortunately we don't know well we've, we've got a we'll have a whole season review episode to do soon so we can yeah um <laughs> finish so yeah that wraps us up that wraps us up um obviously huge congratulations to max Verstappen for winning the championship what a deserving driver what a challenge he's put to the seven-time world champion all season huge congratulations to hamilton for coming second and being such a huge part of such an amazing story for us all year um we've had so much to talk about it's been so exciting and we've loved every minute of it and being able to share it with you the people listening to us week in week out um a huge thank you to the discord as well for taking part for being involved for being part of the chat our patrons everyone involved in the podcast it's been an absolute pleasure it's been great being the discord's been amazing because it's just been it's kind of like this oasis of 
sanity in <laughs> a desert of madness where that is the internet sometimes. Yes. So that's been absolutely fantastic and long may that continue. Um, and yeah, remember to follow the podcast if you like us. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and on Instagram on all the usual links. And yeah, we will see you for the season review in soon, very soon, <laughs> probably, because in time because it has to be these days. And yeah, um, thank you to you two, Chris and Tom, for being passengers on my <laughs> oh, oh no. Through the oh, no, he's ruined it <laughs> today. <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll see you next time. So goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. More importantly than all of that, Seb won the Overtake Award. And that's all we really are here for, isn't it? Yep. yep. 100 million jelly beans. Yep. Let's 100 million jelly beans. Get that man his jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs>